0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go: Mind Pump. Mind Pump with your hosts Sal De Stefano,
1: Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. What's up, Pumpheads? This is Sal here. Uh, on the way back from the Spartan races last weekend, we had the awesome opportunity of sitting down with Rob Wolf, uh, a good friend of ours. He's uh, a huge figure in the wellness paleo. Uh, health community. He wrote a fantastic book, Wired to Eat. In fact, it's a book that me, Adam, and Justin reference all the time. Highly recommend people read it. The information in there is excellent. Anyhow, in this episode, uh, we talk about a lot of things. Rob gets a little unglued on a few subjects, which is hilarious. The guy's hilarious. Uh, We talk about business in here as well, but mostly about wellness and health. We have a great conversation. I know you're going to enjoy this interview. You can find Rob Wolf online on his website. It's Rob O R O B B Wolf, W O L F dot com. So that's R-O-B-B-W-O-L-F dot com. You can find him on Instagram at DOS D A S Wolf. Uh, that's his Instagram page. Um, and also I want to talk about uh, one of our our bundles that we don't talk about a whole lot that I get a lot of questions on and that's our build your butt bundle. So the build your butt bundle is MAPS Aesthetic and MAPS Anabolic. We took both programs, we combined them, and then we added some modifications designed to get your glutes to fire more effectively so that when you do your squats and deadlifts and lunges, you get the glutes to do more of the work. So you get that butt-building effect from them. And that's what this bundle's all about. It's the Build Your Butt Bundle. comes with two MAPS programs. If you were to run those programs back-to-back, you're looking at about six months of exercise programming. If you combine them together with the mod, now you're doing the build your butt, uh, bundle, uh, kind of configuration. Uh, you can find that at mindpumpmedia.com. So without any further ado, here's me, Adam and Justin talking to our group, good friend, Rob Wolf.
2: Man, we just had the, uh, 2017 Spartan championship race. We were actually hoping to run into Rob while we were down there, but, uh, you got uh, you got tied up a little bit. Uh, killing, it was
0: against my parole
2: uh, uh, obligations <laughs> to
0: go to California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we. You know, it's funny. So we have a little three acre farm, and like this time of year is kind of critical for getting everything buttoned up and winterized and and all that type of stuff. And as as part of that, this didn't specifically keep me away from Spartan, but we get flood irrigation. And when the field floods, uh, mice and other critters die. And my dogs went out there and ate these partially decomposing animals. And then Middle of the night last night, they started pooing and spewing from both ends. And um, at some point I checked out and I put the earplugs in. I'm like, okay, Nikki, you're up. I've got an 8 a.m. Uh, interview with the Mind Pump guy." <laughs> oh, guys. gosh. Also, oh, also, you're welcome. Yes. 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 Thank yeah. you. I got chat about that one, buddy. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah.
2: We, I had my dog not that long ago drank So my neighbor must, and I don't know if they use Roundup or some sort of chemicals or whatever, but they are washing. And then we get this little runoff of mm. water. That was in my backyard. Roundup's and, perfectly safe, dude. Yeah, oh, yeah I drink Sprayed on our food yeah. for and breakfast. My dogs must have drank out of it, and then the the next day it was the biggest scare I'd ever had for with the dogs. Um, I mean, he just he couldn't move. He couldn't get up, and he was disoriented. I tried to I tried to pick him up. He started crying. Freaking. I mean, I freaked out. Rushed him down to the hospital, and it literally took us all day long to try and you know process of elimination. What could it be? You know, we didn't leave this out. We didn't do this, and then I see this like pool of water that just, just, you look at it and it just looks disgusting and it's a runoff from the neighbors next door. The toxic sludge. Yeah, so, nice. but nothing I could do about it, man. I would be, I'd be worried about mice and them eating that and them getting sick, like, to the point where they could die from that, I would think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I tease my wife each time the dog comes up and licks her. I'm like, yeah, that's plague lick right there. Like, he's licking you with plague, you know. And I, I'm, I'm still searching for the upside of dog ownership. Like, I've always been a cat guy. I had a dog when I was a little kid, didn't have one until my- wife shook me down on this and
2: i'm still kind of like i'm not seeing the upside on (laughs) any of this stuff but so before we before we got on air we were actually and i love to talk to people like you um about what they're going through with with business and uh it looks like you're getting ready to enter into the click funnel world and start diving into facebook advertising and you're somebody who pretty much has grown organically since you've started and now you're heading that direction. What Th- led to That's you that a polite way, was- way of saying that I had
0: no fucking idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I just typed and talked and expected something good to happen. You were so good. good you didn't have to happened. do any of it. Well, right. it's, it's probably
2: deceiving, like you said, because, I mean, you were part of a lot of the CrossFit when it first started and just kind of probably exploded with that. You're putting out great content. Um, I mean, for sure, paleo has now become attached to CrossFit. So it's probably kind of, uh, I mean... It's kind of hard to probably tell that you weren't doing all the things that you could be doing. You right. probably were crushing it right out the gates and never thought twice. Why did you, or what led you to start to look into this? What did you? You know, some of it, it's interesting. So
0: we became more savvy about what's going on within Facebook and and Google. Like we we talked again a little bit before rolling. Like Google in particular is interesting in that they're trying to curate and own Medicine and health and fitness. So, if you put in a search term like bench press or something like that, Google will typically now provide a curated response and it doesn't go to any person or individual or organization site. It's something that Google decided to curate. And you've got to work your way down the list quite a bit before you get to the first paid ads you know, with response to bench press. And then eventually you get down to the stuff that's actually good shit, you know? And, and Who actually goes through all that, right? Yeah, right. right. And, and fewer and fewer people will go through that process. And so we just noticed that we were kind of moving into a cul-de-sac, you know, where no matter how good the content was that we generated, you know, I mean, it, uh, downloads on podcasts were good, but not spectacular. Website traffic was good. But again, you know, the, there wasn't this uh, a really a spectacular element to it. And so we started kind of kicking some doors and, and talking to people. And they're like, yeah, so these click funnels and doing, uh, uh, you know, figuring out how you're going to do some of the paid advertising and whatnot. And what we're trying to figure out how to do is to not make it to, like, 30 pages of scrolling HTML text, even though that stuff clearly works. Like, it just works. You right. know, it's kind of funny. For a number of years, I kind of, you know, as a badge of honor, I'm like, yeah, I don't do any of those, like, seven steps to paleo abs type things. And then we were just at this event where there were people, and we, we talked about this, like, there are people who don't have nearly as much reach as I do, and they're pulling down, like, $2 million a month.
2: And what do they do? Seven steps to paleo abs. Yeah. So like, oh, this, God, is this is the challenge. This is where I wanted yeah. to go with you, because this is something that uh, we've struggled with yeah, we since we started, is... You Know if you do want to make a lot of money on the web, there are all these clickbaity things that you have to do. And guys like yourself, who I know have a lot of integrity, this has got to be a major challenge. Like, like how do you do that? How do I get their attention yeah. like everybody else does without doing what everybody else does? I'm not totally
0: sure. Like, we're still <laughs> in the process of, of kind of motoring through that. What one thing it's so we're working on it and have finished this thing called the keto masterclass, and so. I put a ton of effort into that. Now I would say that the technicality on it is geared for something that would be appropriate to like the, uh, the weight watchers crowd, but it, it would push them. Like they're going to understand a little bit about like beta oxidation of fatty acids. Like it, it's going to push them a little bit. This is not something that, um, the super geeks who spend all day on the internet, like they're not going to learn anything super new with it, but it is a soup to nuts program. It's beautifully done. It's got great video. The, uh, The coursework book alone, which takes you day by day through all of the material is like Mm. 168 pages. So, I mean, it's a book within the whole thing. So, we put a ton of effort into that. So... What I'm hoping is that, yeah, we'll have to do some of the clickbaity stuff, but then what we give people is actually really, really good. Yeah. And and then you know we kind find of a bait a, and switch type of a little bit of a bait and switch. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, this looks like bullshit. Oh wow, it's actually something reasonably <laughs> legit. You know? you know, and that that's the the hope. And we've shown it to like the guys at Keto Gains, and they were like, wow, this is really really good. You know, it, it it's engaging. It looks good. It has good polish and all that. And then the material is on point. And one element to the material is even though it's a, it's recommending a ketogenic diet, we have a, a kind of a self-selection process where maybe a ketogenic diet isn't the way you should go. Maybe it's just kind of moderate carb. And so we actually have a way for people, even though this is the keto masterclass, we're not selling it as religious dogma that this is mm. the one and only way to go, th- uh, go about this. If you're a CrossFit Games competitor, if you're into jujitsu, if you have some... Uh, adrenal fatigue or HPTA axis dysregulation or what have you ketogenic diet might not be the way that you want to do it like a moderate carb approach and and we give people a completely stepwise fashion to figure all that stuff out so the hope there is that yeah we're going to lean on some of these clearly successful marketing tools Mm. and then hopefully derive deliver something that's not total dog shit. you said that something
1: also. I have a question about so uh, uh, you talked about HPA dysregulation in keto why wouldn't that be a good necessarily a good option for people in that in that
0: particular state well and it's funny it could be a great option or it could be a disastrous option okay so, yeah, uh, uh, so if you have somebody who is experiencing um
1: now, HPA dysregulation, what is that first off to the
0: Hypothalamus, audience? pituitary, adrenal, and then you can also throw in thyroid, HPTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, thyroid I want to hear also. what he has to say about yes Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, you you have some people that uh, become insulin resistant for a variety of reasons. It can be sleep, it can be gut dysbiosis, it, it can be and, and generally overeating is a big piece of this. It doesn't necessarily just need to be carbs, although carbs definitely facilitate the process. Um, I'm not in the camp that carbs are the cause of like insulin resistance and, and, uh, uh, diabetes and all that. I think that they're definitely a contributor. I'm not specifically in that, like kind of Gary Tobbs camp that says carbs are, are insulin resistance. I have been there, but over the course of time I've, I've kind of changed positions on that, but If somebody gets into a spot for whatever, you know, however the fuck they get there, and they're in high blood sugar, low blood sugar, high blood sugar, low blood sugar, that cyclic element of the the blood sugar dysregulation is super stressful. The brain does not like these peaks and troughs in blood sugar, so we get the adrenals pinged to release cortisol and adrenaline to bring the blood sugar back up on the back side. That antagonizes thyroid production. The cortisol released rem- uh, directly antagonizes the conversion of T4 into T3. It accelerates conversion of T3 into reverse T3. So you just kind of cock block all mm. of the, the <laughs> thyroid production.
1: It's literally the body trying it's to blood balance blood. out while it's going up yes. and down. And yeah. over time, does this can cause like receptors to downregulate and the body to become more resistant to even things like cortisol? Right. Okay. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you have one group of people that is in a, uh, a situation where they're they're getting that cyclic hypoglycemic kind of event, and a low-carb or ketogenic diet may be the ticket for those people. But you have other folks that maybe the, the HPTA axis dysregulation, whether it's thyroid specifically, or um, some people with uh, autoimmune disease guy, you guys need to get on the, the, your podcast, Brian Walsh. He's a oh, naturopath. Okay. So and, right. and uh, I, well, sure I like had him, down. I had him on my show and I thought I knew my, my immunology and like my, my, uh, Oh wow. He everything. dropped some
2: knowledge on you then. Oh though. dude. He, he oh, wow. oh,
0: I had some immunologists ping me who were like, for a non immunologist, that guy knows his immunology. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Like, and how's yeah.
2: his conversation? Is it like yours? Ph- Phenomenal.
0: Oh, Phenomenal. Wow, okay. he's, he's he's an educator through and through, but he really got in and started talking about like, okay, so if we do something like a Dutch test and we look at, you know, total uh, cortisol and cortisol metabolites, maybe the reason why the cortisol is low is because the body is trying to turn on or off different segments of the immune system for a therapeutic effect. So your cortisol looks low and the kind of standard, like uh, a three or four point um, uh, adrenal stress index test, it's kind of like, okay, usually somebody would see that, they would see an uh, an overall low cortisol status. And then they would recommend something like licorice, which uh, licorice extracts uh, enhance the retention of cortisol in our system, it blocks the breakdown of, of cortisol in the liver. So we may get an elevated cortisol level but that may be antagonistic to what the body actually right. needs you to do because it's actually trying to either wow. suppress or enhance one element. To, and so this is where you're, you're basically doing green allopathy. You see something that you assume on this specific little slice of the story is a problem. So you treat the symptom and then you end up making the overall problem. Or, worse. Now, are there yeah. signals that you
2: mm-hmm. see like when people are trying to figure this out? When like they say, we're, we're trying to figure this out for me and I notice stuff going on with my body that I can tell you about, like the average person that's playing with going in or out of keto? Is there, are there signs that that this could be you? Uh,
0: it's sleep dysregulation, performance decrease. I mean, it, it's kind of the standard deal. How do it. you look? How do you feel? How do you perform? We could look at some basic biomarker, you know, kind of considerations. But that's where I just, um, I try, we try to sort people. It's kind of like dropping a marble down this thing. Mm-hmm. And it, so we try to sort people, create a logic tree so that they can get themselves to a spot where they can then test and then based off the testing, we can then drive the boat like, okay, yeah, man, keto's working great for you, or no, it's not. Let's bump the carbs up to 75 grams a day and see how you do. And so we have a really uh, transparent process with that to help people figure out what's what's best for them.
1: So in that mm-hmm. state, why would keto be bad then? You were going down that path of the...
0: For some people, and in, in particularly in the beginning of this, this process, we do see an enhanced adrenal output we tend to see elevated cortisol elevated adrenaline uh, corticosteroids uh, across the, the border elevated and if somebody's already in kind of a compromised state got it. it might be too much it is definitely a stress particularly when you first enter into the the ketogenic state so if they're already like teetering on the brink it may not be the I the noticed best this with
1: fasting with clients of mine uh, yep. in particular I notice it with myself if I when I fast sometimes the energy I get feels very. Uh, sympathetic in nature. Yep. It feels like it's cortisol driven yep. and I can tell the difference between normal good energy and that kind of wired dare I say addictive type of energy right. that I tend to get and so that's when I'll start to modify how often I fast because I know right. if I push that too hard I could enter into that state. I've, uh, I've also speculated potential behavioral changes in people um, where perhaps they're seeking out uh, activities um, uh, that cause cortisol to spike because they need more for example right. I'll notice people like this who are in this HPA you know kind of dysfunction uh, will seek out the harder workouts because they feel so good while they're doing them even though it's the exact opposite of what they need um, it, perhaps because those harder workouts are causing that spike of cortisol now they feel good um, are, are you are there other behavioral effects that you can kind of connect to? You know some of these things,
0: yeah. And I mean, this gets really soft science and, and fun, a little though. bit woo. Yeah. But, um, You're
2: a fun person to speculate I, with. I, That's I, why I just, we're here. Um, we it last I,
0: time. I see people just like dysfunctional relationships. Hmm. So like they to cause those cortisol spikes. They can't deal with just like hey, I'll you know like my wife and I. I, I, I give her shit all the time, but she is super even keel. We have a really amazing handoff deal. Like. um... I in working on this this keto masterclass. When I was doing the primary content generation, she did the bulk of like the cooking, the house, all that type of stuff. I finished that, and now she is the one that's basically tasked with getting all this like click funnel integration, all this type of stuff. And so, like the past two three weeks, like I take the kids to school pick them up. I do 99% of the cooking. So we have a really easy transition with that. And we have, there's no drama. Like we, we were just talking about it. We're like, neither one of us ever hang the other one out to dry because right. it's like, oh fuck, I've been taking care of the kids for three weeks straight. Right. It's like, well, yeah, because Nikki, you're doing all the important stuff now and I don't have anything important to do. There are people that, and I think some of it is, is maturity also, but I think that there's something where like either low dopamine or maybe this need for that kind of adrenalized state, mm. they just create drama oh, because wow. you feel more alive in the moment and then you get all the makeup sex and all that type wow. of stuff <laughs> afterwards too. But, you know, they, they can't deal with even keel. Even keel freaks them out. It's almost like wow. there's no, it, it's almost like a, a sensory deprivation chamber mm-hmm. in a way where they don't get any feedback and and so they need to to start. It, it's like a bat, you know, it's pinging out sonar wow. to try to get something see, coming back. I,
1: I don't see <laughs> when people say that's kind of soft science or woo woo, I, I counter and say, we've known for a long time that changes in hormones and, you know, neurochemicals, definitely can affect behavior. They can definitely change behavior. You give testosterone to a woman or you give a man estrogen or whatever in extreme cases, you will see changes in behavior. It only makes sense that if the body is seeking out or needs cortisol, that it will alter behavior in ways that will cause more cortisol to release. So things that I've noticed with clients is these people that I've identified in this particular, you know, uh, in this category of people they'll be late for appointments often they'll have mm-hmm. deadlines and they'll wait to the last minute to get them going and or things will be going
2: rush- good and they'll purposely sabotage themselves and it's right? because they yeah. it's
1: almost like their body's driving them to 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 do these types of things and then when we work on and it's funny because it's this cyclical type of thing because it feeds it so then I'll tell them we need stress management and then that and that will also feed into getting their bodies more responsive to cortisol and all that other stuff now
2: is this something though that could potentially be something that's more behavioral that they've been they've been Embedded with since they were children because of that because they grew up in a chaotic house and stress was always there so they were see for, for me being the reductionist
0: like biochemist guy where I'm like the 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 neurophysiology the biochemistry and the behavior to me are inseparable oh, you know God so, damn and, I'm and, so happy you say well, and, that. I, and there's a but but this it, then there's a bunch of people they're like where's the spirit and everything and I'm like I don't know man I'm still waiting <laughs> for my bush so so I don't know and, and when it, when I said that I uh, you know this stuff is soft science there's this whole little corner of the internet where if you don't have an RCT for something, then it, it, it just doesn't fucking exist. And you know, all of those people, I really those want f- to,
2: our favorite ones to poke the, at. Robin. I, yeah. <laughs> I want to bring
0: them to the the hammerometer where we stick their foot in this thing. And it's like, you drop a hammer on their foot. And it's like, did it hurt? And they're all, yeah. And I'm like, ah, there's not a fucking RCT for it. Going <laughs> you know? It didn't hurt, you know. We, there's no proof that it hurt. So yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, uh it's interesting because um, just through our process through fitness, we've all been doing this for so long. You start to get to this point where you realize that in in opt in a state of optimal health, um, that your body kind of the, the signal the signals that it, it tells you to eat sleep and the way you should behave and whatever, it all, you just kind of listen to your body and it kind of tells you what to do. But then when you throw them off with, you know, poor diet or, you know, constant exposure to, you know, electric lights or whatever, it throws everything off to the point where it affects your entire life, not just the stuff that we normally can measure like body fat or right. performance and that kind of stuff. So it's, you know,
2: very, very fascinating. I, I know when we deal with these people, I know I have a few series of things that I tend to go to. Do you have like a go-to advice that you kind of start? because someone who seeks that all the time, it's kind of like, okay, let's address food, sleep. Do you have an order of operation that you tend to go to when helping somebody? Oh man. So when we ran the
0: gym, I was just, I I was going to say I was such a dick, but (laughs) what, I had a really short window of opportunity for people to get on board because we, there was a point where I had like 48,000 unread emails in my, my, Inbox, um, and I don't have that now because now my my uh, uh, assistant deals with those, you know, and he, he kind of sorts and triages. But we would open these emails, and there were people that were like dying, and they're like, "I just I need help with autoimmunity, and I live in Illinois. Is there anyone that can help me?" And so, like, there was all this latent need, and people that would kill for any help. And then I had this person come in front of me that that was uh, exhibiting or experiencing these kind of squirrely behaviors because of dopamine or whatever the fuck it was. And so I had a really brisk, direct intervention with them. It's like, hey, there's 100 people behind you you're going to do XYZ and you're going to trust in the process and you're not going to ask questions because there's somebody else that wants it more than you and they may not be the pain in the ass. And I'd rather succeed than, than fail, you Mm -hmm, know? And so, but I mean, it's the standard stuff, you know, sleep, appropriate movement, and then also trying to get people in their body. And this is something that you kind of alluded to. If somebody was raised in a super chaotic environment, and I would kind of put that with myself. I love my parents. They were great people. My dad had, Someday I want to do a book about both my parents' lives. You, you as lost kids. them at right? what, what it, age, right? They, uh, they, not super early, but uh, my dad eleven years ago, my mom like four, four or five years ago. But um, they had super abusive, challenging <coughs> lives, and so what they were able to do with me was a quantum leap better than the lives that they experienced. But it was still like crazy. Like my Mm -hmm. uh, looking back now and talking to my sisters, sometimes like my mom was probably bipolar. Like she had all kinds of uh, problems going on, but did a really amazing job for what she did. But coming out of that chaotic environment I sought chaos. And so a lot of my early relationships, like the more dysfunctional and broken the person was like, man, I've got exactly, (laughs) here's your gears. And man, my gears mesh, perfect dysfunction. Oh, I got your, I got your solution. And it took a long time to be able to disengage from that. And actually took me
2: 28 years. How long did it take you? Do you remember? Possibly
0: a little longer than that. (laughs) (laughs) You're smarter than I am. So, you know, and, and, but, and I talked, talk to my wife about this. This is part of the reason why I do jujitsu, part of the reason why I do bow hunting and stuff like that. I've got to have that other thing that is the danger and the risk mm. and the dopamine and the engagement. Otherwise it's like, oh wow, here's a dysfunctional person. And it, it you know, all of those tendencies are still there. So I, I would try to have that conversation with, with folks, but I'm not a therapist, but you know, just some of this kind of big picture stuff of it's really interesting getting people to start functioning in a way that's healthy. So if they had a gambling habit or if they spent money that they don't have, like there's all this kind of dopamine, like, you know, living in the moment kind of deal. And if you get people to not do that, they'll they'll look at you and they're like, dude, this is like eating cardboard. It's kind of like the hypo palatable food Mm -hmm. problem. Their life just sucks. They don't have any joy. They don't have any excitement. And you have to figure out ways of getting it from other places and this is why you look into the uh, crossfit world there are a ton of people that were addicts of various flavors oh geez mm. yeah dude, dude crossfit and i still can't figure out how more of these formerly addicts become crossfitters are not also vegan wow. because that just seems like the fucking <laughs> the the trifecta God. you know and, 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 and i just Let's perhaps the training volume actually kicks them out of that like it would destroy them if they did it but you know you find things like that where hopefully it's a more um, it's a healthier obsession, but there's still that need for, for the, you know, and Art, Art Devaney, I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but Art Devaney has talked about this a lot from like the evolutionary perspective. We just had a certain amount of chaos and danger baked in the cake living as hunter gatherers. And there's some expectation for that. And life becomes so monotonous and, and predictable, that then people start doing squirrely things. This is our like, th- this is mm, our yeah. theory
2: on like the huge rise of like OCR and right. these events where we punish ourselves for 16, 19 miles an obstacle because we're becoming so plugged in yeah. that we need to feel again we need to feel ourselves right. and feel life and so i think a lot of these businesses are going to continue to explode because tech is just moving so fast and we're becoming more i mean we got vr around the corner right real soon here we're going to see people that probably have a challenge of stepping out of vr because vr is better than their actual right. reality it's so it's so right. funny
1: you said what you said because a lot of our issues early on with uh, some of the movements of crossfit and then ocr and marathons is because when we were trainers, the clients that would seek those out were the last people that should probably be doing them. Right? They would treat them like another addiction, like right. like you know, like they're moving from one to another and just continue to pound their body because they're seeking that, you know, that. And and so a lot of our job was to try to you know, okay, well that's one step. Now let's get you to another step. It's almost like you got to take a person through steps of obsession that are gradually better and better and better, kind of get them, wean them off almost. Right. Um, it's uh, This whole desensitizing process, I think, is what you're talking about, where people will stop and then just be like, life sucks. Right. And it's, it's, all, it's no different than, for me at least, than when I work with a client and I start to change their nutrition and they're finding the food that they're eating – just boring right you know it doesn't like water i this one always used to blow me away but i would tell people like all you're going to drink is water let's start with that from now
0: for you know oh, in God. the beginning it's like punishing and, them and they like yeah.
1: i can't drink water it doesn't taste good <laughs> and, I, and to me, it was just mind blowing. It's like it's fucking water. What do you mean? Is that you want to lock
0: them in a closet for like four days, and then you're like, "This is going to be the best thing you ever drank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> like, perspective. <laughs> and you scoop it out of a tepid toilet, you know, and you're like, "There you go." And They're like, "Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely." <laughs> but, so, yeah.
1: but I do think, you know, uh, just talking about this, it's um, it's it's as if we've been taught to ig- ignore our body signals since we were children. Everything from hunger to which you know, which most of us never experienced real hunger, to ignoring our systems of Satiety to then uh, you know hijacking our systems of you know what is it called pa- uh, when you when something you get sick of eating something pa- uh, the palate fatigue palate thing. fatigue yeah. and we're you know and it's almost like we don't even we're so disconnected from our bodies that. It just turns into this total mess. And it's like, and you're talking about the psychological piece. Uh, I see the future of health and wellness being like, you need to know all of that because it's such a big role in in, you know what we're doing.
0: Yeah, and you know, to a degree, I I tried to tackle all that in YRD, you know, sleep and circadian rhythm, food, movement, and then community. And community has this whole, it goes from the gut microbiome to the people around us. And that's also though where stress most of the things that we experience as stress live like the keeping up with the Joneses deal, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know all of that. That uh, so much of what we perceive to be stress is just this activity going on between our ears of something that happened in the past or that we're worried about potentially happening in the future and it's very very rare that it's actually something like right in front of us you know like the car barreling towards right. us or something It's like okay that's a legitimate stress we need to address <laughs> that and everything else is is just something that we're bringing on ourselves and uh, the the book uh the myth of stress like i fought that guy on that i had him on my podcast and oh. and uh I was like, oh, you know, hunter gatherer times, like we had less stress and everything. He's like, no, 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 that's bullshit. Like, but it, it, it was people were more in the moment and we didn't have this past future orientation mm. and uh, he pretty well like beat me down with oh, that. Wow. I'm like, oh
2: okay, yeah, you're actually <laughs> totally right. I'm, I'm so along those lines, as a father, what are the things that you're scared about in the future, or I don't know if scared is the right word, but what, concern, Concerned, yeah, what concerns know. you about your, your children's future and what are you excited for? So what do you, what do you, what do you think about?
0: Oh man. Um, that's a big, let me noodle on that a little bit. You, one thing I've been doing with both girls is when they get upset, we do a breathing exercise. Oh, cool. So I'm like, okay, okay. You're okay. Whether they they uh, they get, Psychologically or or physically hurt, you know, they crash her bike, whatever. And I'm like, okay, let's put our hands on her belly and we're gonna do our breathing. Hold it, hold it. We have a contest to see who can, you know, go the longest on the way out. And I tell you, like, uh, my youngest uh, Sagan, who's three, dude, she crashed her bike in the most epic way. And luckily, it was chilly in the morning, so she had on gloves. She had on a, a sweat sweatsuit and everything, but I mean, it was like tumble. She had on her helmet and everything, but it was like a dust cloud. Garden sale. Um, yeah, it was a goodie. <laughs> and I, I went up there and she's crying completely reasonable, but I like propped her on my leg. I'm like, you okay? Everything good? I'm like, let's do our breathing. It'll make you feel better. She's like, okay, dada, let's do it. And, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> and by the third breath, she was. Even keel. That's cool. And, uh, I, you know, if I had had that technique as a kid and could have carried that through my adult life, that would have been pretty powerful. Now, usually I still need to coach them on it. Like, they don't just, like, auto-regulate with that. But one thing I'm trying to teach them is just this very basic, like, kind of biofeedback thing. Yeah. So that um, they're, they're if they're ever in a situation, if they can get the wherewithal, they can bring themselves back down to a, a really calm state. So how do you, that, how yeah. do you handle tech right now? They... They watch a little bit of TV, maybe uh, twice a week. It's mainly PBS. I, I, I am chagrined to admit. My, um, and it's so funny. It's almost like you know the kids are, are attracted to junk food. Like I, Zoe has figured out how to uh, navigate the Apple TV, and I went in there the other day, and it was like um, Barbie and Friends Mermaid Adventures. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, I, I watched it for a few minutes, and I'm like, no, we're not watching this. It was just ridiculous. It was just. Conflict for the sake of conflict, like uh. there was nothing. Even just like the dialogue and stuff was terrible. Now I will say, um, she has roped me into watching some My Little Pony stuff, and it's it's illustrated in kind of a, uh, 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 a Japanese anime kind of deal. And there's some funny stuff in there. And so I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, you can watch a little bit of that, but it's usually a little more, uh, some intelligent cur- humor in there. Curious George, Wild Kratz. And then, you know, we will, um, jump onto YouTube and we'll pull up, like both kids are fascinated by planets and dinosaurs. And so like I'll pull up the, uh, the Carl Sagan series. And so we'll watch some stuff on planets and stuff like that. But, um, they really don't get any iPhone access, any iPad access. Um, if we travel, then we have two iPads that we pull out and they get to watch some movies on the iPad. Cause when we're in hour eight or 10 on the airplane going somewhere, I'm kind of like, okay, we'll, 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 we'll deal with whatever, time. you yeah. know, uh, uh, ramifications are. And it's like cocaine for them. Yes. They want it mm-hmm. desperately. And it's interesting. We bought uh, both girls a little camera last Christmas, maybe the Christmas before, and it has a lot of games on it and everything, but it's a set number of options, whereas these iPhones and iPads are effectively infinite. There's always something you can
2: tweak download or and fiddle buy or- and
0: download. And, you know. and so it's interesting. They will go through cycles where they'll play with the camera and they take pictures and they do the kind of like uh, uh, low-grade uh, uh, photo editing with it and stuff like that. And there's a few games that they play on it and they enjoy it. But then they put it down. They may not play with it for three weeks. Whereas, like if there's any of that iPhone, iPad interaction, it's like cocaine. They, it's they, interesting. Sp- I notice yeah. like
1: mm-hmm. literal, um, I mean, classic withdrawal symptoms from my kids because they'll mm-hmm. go to my their, their grandma's house and sometimes she's busy or whatever. So they'll get on these iPads and they'll be on them for. I mean, if I no joke, I, I'm fully confident. And if I left them alone with an iPad, they would stay on there. From morning till night. No problem. No problem. If you don't monitor them at all. Possibly
0: until they starve to death. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Maybe. But I'll take it away if they've been on there for three hours. You know, I'll come home and be like, no, I'm taking that away. And there's these classic withdrawal symptoms. And then they're. It's just like
2: food. Great. Probably one of the best books I've read this year was a book called Irresistible. And they mm. talk about. Uh, the addiction and how all of these guys who created all these apps and was they wouldn't ever, let their kids go near they them. don't no. yeah they don't that, to me that just fascinates me that here you are as a father who's creating this incredible thing this is what probably provides the food for your children but they're not allowed to use that right. tool because I know how much R&D I put into making sure making this, it addictive yeah making yeah. it addictive mm-hmm. that's a scary thought and then you see and I don't know how far you think because I know they're younger But like you see with Instagram and Facebook, and even now companies, when they go to hire somebody, they ask for social media. Right. Because as a business owner now, if I've got all three of you coming to work for me and you guys are all trainers and, uh, you know, Justin's got 3,000, Sal's got 2,000, and you got 20,000 people connect to you on Instagram, well, I don't even really care if these guys are maybe a little bit smarter than you. I know you're, you're going to pull more for my business. So, right. I mean, now it has that much power and influence. So, as a parent, like, how do you wrap your brain around, like, how do I introduce this to them? How do I let them use this? But then also not discourage it's them too much? It's such a new because, frontier, man. And I could potentially hurt yeah. them in the future for work and
0: business. Like You know, it's interesting. So both girls go to a Montessori school, oh, which is super cool. And the way that they handle tech, they, 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 they don't want any screen time. Like even the amount of TV that, that we provide the kids, they're probably like, ah, it's you know, too much. But um, one point that they make is that technology advances so quickly that the ui the user interface is it gets simpler and simpler and simpler there's no point in like having the kids go over and you know like type stuff into a keyboard or even like playing around with that quite yet because the user interface when they get into like a work environment is probably going to be different so that's a great point. why even bother with hmm. this stuff and so that that's kind of interesting and um hmm. but when you go into their library they definitely do have some nice computers in there for kids to do research and stuff like that one of the things that caught me the the most when I walked in there, is it the, the top shelf of, uh, of one of their main bookshelves was like uh, 20 years of The Economist magazine. And I'm like,
3: oh, oh fo- there you are fucking here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they're
0: teaching kids that now, that's well, what they, they have some cool stuff where like all of the classes um, help to prepare the hot lunch. And then they start as the kids get into the primary education, they learn about profit and loss and what they're charging and oh, no okay to make this thing oh, and macaroni brilliant. and cheese it uh, costs this much money and we need to charge this much to be able to deal with brilliant. you know and it, it, stuff like that is 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 real you know it, it, so yes what what uh, you know maybe I'll try to avoid the scary stuff but one of the things that did just pop into my head uh, the opportunity here if you have an interest in something in this day and age, like they would need to lock you in a room to prevent you from learning about right. it and potentially becoming a world expert on it. Right. Now, if you want to learn welding or knife making or, or, you know, how to do cardiothoracic surgery or something like that, you need to go as effectively intern with that. But you can learn a massive amount about so many different things. You can learn languages, you know, oh, yeah. all of the, the uh, uh, what is it, Khan Academy and all that stuff. Like literally... The potentially the if you want to learn economics, you could learn from someone who's not only brilliant in it but brilliant in communicating. Right. It, mm-hmm. Versus like you hit the community college and it's kind of a mixed bag. Maybe they're it's good, like maybe they're that's not. How, yeah, that's
2: how
1: I
0: started, man. I was on
1: YouTube and I I saw Milton Friedman, which he's like the, one of the greatest communicators of uh, of economics that you can find, and that just took me down a rabbit hole and I became very passionate about it. But had I gone to a university and listen to some boring, you know, instructor. I remember my econ class in high school, was so I could. I was like, "This is this sucks." Right. Then you hear Milton Friedman, I'm like, "Whoa, this is great!" You know, right? It's so, a- exciting right. times. Definitely exciting so, times.
0: So you have an opportunity like that, you know, and and uh, uh, our our youngest is really interesting. And in at three, she uh, and you know, this is the doting dad to some degree, but even other people are kind of like, "Okay, she really understands math well," like she'll. She's like, Dad, I'm I'm this many, and Zoe is this many, and you're you're four plus, you know, five, you know, for forty five, and all this stuff. And I'm kind of like, holy shit. And we we just bought a puzzle the other day, this dinosaur puzzle, and the kid just like scans the pile of pieces, grabs it, plugs it in, and like it would take me thirty minutes to find that thing, and I would have to sort each one. I'm looking at the That's colors. Right. So she's got mm-hmm. some pattern recognition stuff early and, and uh, so I'm like, maybe some math, maybe some engineering, who knows? And then Zoe has a whole you know a uh, uh, set of stuff that she's really awesome. interested in. So it's really that part is really exciting yeah. in that we could use some technology to be able to, you know anything they're passionate about, anything they want to do. If one of them wanted to do art, you could learn so much about art online, and then if they right. really wanted to go intern with somebody, it's like, okay, there's this dude in Florence, Italy, and instead of sending you to university to get a fucking slapdick art degree, we'll send you to Florence. <laughs> you need to study and learn Italian, and you're going to intern with this guy for one to two years, and so long as you stay on course, I'll pay for that. You know, and so and cool. So those are and it'll huge cost the same amount. Right. <laughs> it would probably cost the same amount, but the connections oh, yeah, and the, the you, you know, like oh, the, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Are you familiar yeah. with the company uh, Creative Live? Have you yes. seen yes, yeah, yeah, stuff I, I, like that. I know those folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's great excellent. stuff for sure. Yeah. That's
1: so, so on, along these lines with nutrition, obviously, this is an area of expertise for you. How do you feed your kids, and how do you recommend people feed their kids? Because I know, obviously, we we've, we talk about different ways of eating. Some of them are more restrictive than others, like keto. But when you feed children, uh, what is the best approach to to you know? making sure that they're healthy is there a best
2: approach i I would be super
0: reticent to saying there's a best approach like i I would be really uh remiss in in saying that um i'm glad in a way that we had kids later as opposed to earlier in my whole paleo process because i could have probably been a lunatic um earlier on but it's tough so what did they have for breakfast this morning they had some uh organic patty sausage that we got from whole foods They had strawberries. They had this uh, nutty hot cereal. So I take apples and almonds, blend them up in a blender, puree them, super, super fine, basically like oatmeal kind of consistency, cook it on the stovetop, and it's just like hot cereal. Mm -hmm. And I put a little cinnamon in it, and the girls crush it. So they had sausage, uh, strawberries, nutty hot cereal, and then some pecans. And that's what they had. Yesterday, they had some sausage, and they had some gluten-free French toast that I made on the weekends. We kind of... Loosen stuff up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, after, after they add French toast that, that morning, all the way through the evening, first thing this morning, they're like, dad, can we have French toast? You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and usually Friday nights, yeah. we do gluten-free pizza night. And they, they, um, part of it is, is they really enjoy it. And part of it is by Friday, my wife and I are smoked and it's the one meal that we stick in front of them and they're like a pack of hyenas. They just eat it down to the nubs and they lick the plate and we don't have to do a fucking thing. We're not like, hey, eat that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and they don't drop it on the floor. Like if they do, they're down there like licking it off the, the floor. So, there, so there's, this is, you know, so you ask about what's optimum, Part of the optimum of that is we get one meal where my wife and I can like have a glass of wine and And we can just talk because the kids, they're like, dad, have more pizza. And you're like, boom, there you go. Done. (laughs) Whereas like even though they will eat well generally, but I have to be like, hey, girls, come on, get after this, you know, and there's a little bit of that. But generally it's meat, fruit, veggies. It kind of rotates seasonally. Um, The girls love soup. So I, I make soup a lot and it's just like carrots and broccoli. It's and, it's a and tough. You know.
1: uh, it's tough with children because on the one hand you know you want to you, you, you definitely dictate what they eat and you regulate it, but on the other hand you don't want to create these bad relationships right. with food where you're right. Finish this or you can't eat that or you know you reward them with food. I, and-
3: I do
0: do some speed bump stuff where they're like. Uh, Oh, man. Um, trying to think of an example. Even just like uh, uh, blueberries or something like that. I want some more blueberries. I'm like, OK, finish your meat and you can have some more blueberries. So mm-hmm. I do a little bit of a speed bump method mm-hmm. where they, they have to do stuff like that. Um, Zoe asked me, she's like, well, Dada, why can't we just have pizza and French toast all the time? I'm like, that is a really good question. I was like, some people do pretty much do that. And for some people, they can be healthy. And for a lot of other people, it makes them unhealthy. They get sick. Their tummy hurts. They maybe gain too much weight. Um, you, she's uh, She has a friend whose father had a heart attack, and we talked to her a little bit about some of this food can cause problems with your heart and everything. So we're not trying to do scare tactics, but we're also trying to say, you know, generally we eat well, and then that way it allows us to eat this other. And I try not to even call it treats and stuff like that because I don't want any emotional attachment to it you know it's I'm like sometimes one. we have this stuff and sometimes we don't we just don't you, you know and and uh, interestingly i think both girls and, and so this also dictates a little bit of what we do both girls seem to be pretty damn insulin sensitive which their mother is very insulin sensitive so i think that they kind of pull from that cuz even if we do like the french toast deal The girls, we don't get, like, a a blood sugar crash two hours later where they're, like, just melting down and going crazy. Some of that may be because they always get some fat and protein with it. Some of it may be because they're active and and they're just generally insulin sensitive. But I haven't noticed um, there's a little bit of dairy issues, so we tend to give them goat and sheep dairy instead of cow dairy. They'll get some cow dairy Mm -hmm. if we're out eating or something like that. I don't don't sweat that, but we don't do that. A huge amount... um, Yeah, I've I've uh, I've done this where
1: I'll I'll, uh, uh, the strategy that I've developed with my kids, and it seems to work really well. Is I'll just serve them in the order of importance with the food, right? And I don't bring all the food out at the same time because that really fucks things up. Yeah. So I'll literally be like, "All right," and boom, here's your vegetables, and then then I'll be like, "What are we having for dinner?" I'm like, "Vegetables," and then they'll eat their vegetables, and then okay, here's your meat, and then they'll eat the meat, and then if they're not hungry anymore then there's no need to continue progressing. You know, because they've eaten the important stuff. So now if they're like, I don't want to eat anymore. Then it's like, okay, well then we're we're done eating. And they just eat the rest of it. Yeah. Otherwise you end up doing the
2: whole don't eat that, you have to eat that right. type of thing. So, so I want to I circle back, Rob, to something you mentioned about uh, your childhood. I um, I grew up in a challenging uh, household myself. My mom also had a crazy childhood, and I probably talk about the same way you do, where I think she did the best that she could right. and much better than what she would probably went through. But nonetheless, uh, my father took his life when I was seven. My mom remarried into an abusive relationship, So, and, and I'm the oldest of five kids. So a lot of that definitely formed me into the man that I am today. Some things awesome, and that I'm happy and I'm and I'm grateful for those characteristics. Some of the other ones have taken a long time to grow through. What are the things that you notice about yourself from being brought up like that that are that have made you uh, the man you are today, as far as your strengths, mm-hmm. and then the ones that you still battle? Man, positive? that that's a really good question. You know, it's funny because you opened with like doing the
0: the business stuff and the <laughs> click funnels and all that. Being raised in a Poor now. Poor is relative. This is poor in a first world country. White, blah right. blah blah. Sure. My privileged stuff. I like have to explain whatever. to people yeah, like <laughs> I
2: know what food stamps look like. Yeah, it, we, I've been evicted from stamps, a house. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, but the, I had a the, roof over my the, head. The brick of uh, government issued cheese. I, I really look forward to it. So comparatively, we we were pretty poor. Um What I got phenomenally good with coming out of that environment was like you could dump me anywhere and i would figure out something reasonably cool with that situation like i could make do with whatever i was thrown into drop me off in siberia and i'll have a still and and <laughs> you know growing potatoes or, or whatever and it was interesting um i was in a grad program and interestingly as part of this this science-based grad program they had an art elective and i'm like oh i'll take this art elective and uh the gal told us to envision something that we wanted to make and then make it. And there were like Legos and erector sets and all this different stuff. And I just started kind of throwing shit together. And she came by and she's like, so Rob, what do you, what do you make? I'm like, I don't know. This thing's kind of cool and this and that. And she's like, well, the the exercise is to envision something and then make it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. And I wasn't doing it. And she kept needling me and needling me. And dude, I got fucking pissed. Like, (sighs) like. You know, meltdown, stomp out of there! Like she got in my kitchen, and I didn't even realize until later the frustration that I had is I was incapable of envisioning something. I was completely cockblocked on that. I couldn't envision anything I wanted to do. Now I could make do with what I had in front of me, but I was incapable of being able to envision something. Maybe five years fast forward, and I'm in a relationship with with Nikki, my my wife. And she's talking to me about this stuff because these things pop up in the course of like business and whatnot. Like I became really good at making do, but I was abysmal at being able to envision something and then go for it. And part of what it, uh, I believe an outgrowth of that is that in this chaotic environment, you can't really plan down the road. Mm. And so you become good at just dealing with the the here and the now. And that's a very laudable thing. That, that's powerful. But an inability to plan and to dream and to, to to chase that stuff, and part of it too is you already deal with so much letdown that if you envision getting something and then you work towards it and you fail, that might be enough to just fucking kill you, mm-hmm. like right where you're at. So the thing that I'm really like just kind of birthing into is being able to say, hey, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, like I, I finally a couple of years ago, I'm like, I'm gonna get my fucking black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I may be 70 when I get it. <laughs> But I'm I'm going to do it, you know, and I'm, I'm ticking that stuff through, and then we had some some ideas around like uh, we we had a beautiful house in kind of a, a suburban kind of setting. I'm like, I hate this. The homeowners associations, our neighbors, I fucking hate them. I hate all of it. I want to be on a little farm. I want to be able to shoot my bows and arrows. I want to do this, that, and the other. Zoe so or Nikki was like, well, envision it, and I drew some stuff out, and we went and got it, and we knocked it out. But I'm I'm probably at like a eight or nine year old's level of being able to like envision something and then go out and and knock it out and do it but that's um it's been a hugely powerful thing for me and and it was something that I I uh it, it, what happened to me it, being able to make do with the situation was really beneficial and it still serves me a lot today like I don't have a lot of like frustrations and and, I see people, they show up at a restaurant and they're like, this cheesecake just isn't the way it was last time. And I'm like, well, cry me a fucking river, you know? (laughs) Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, it's a little bit different. That's cool. I'm going to have more of the Brussels sprouts or whatever. Like it just doesn't phase me in that regard. But then also it it allows me to um, not have the standards that I should have and the Mm. things that I do actually want. Like I'll be like, Mm. eh okay that's cool i'll just make do with this and there are some times where like you want to get your back up and be like no god damn it this is what i'm gonna do and it's a 45 year old male i'm just now learning how to do that but i've been very very good at making do and i'm just now learning how to make what i want interesting. And, and it's really interesting and honestly god it's still scary yeah. like it's a it mm-hmm. i feel like i'm i'm high wire walking and not real comfortable with, with what I'm doing with it because I've got years of skill set that's so refined in this other area but that, that is a really good question
1: that, that mm-hmm. requires a, a such a high level of self-awareness because it was so um so much a part of who you are like how did you start to even see it and recognize well it?
2: especially when when and this is like I can totally relate. When a majority of your life, it it uh, it helped you get through. It helped you were were successful because of it. Success. So I I remember being in my twenties.
1: Easily identified with it and be like, this is how I work, and I'm already kicking ass. And what's the big deal? This
2: is why I always tell people, you know, normally your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness, right? And if you learn to look at it like that, because we real easily we look at, oh, this is this is why I'm having success. Like you can't tell me otherwise that I shouldn't be doing this or to look into it because this is what got me here. So. Yeah, that's really interesting, and it's actually the opposite of me, which is funny because I think I always wanted to escape where I was at, so I was always envisioning stuff mm. and the future mm. and thinking all mm-hmm. the time. So what I'm incredible at is the visionary piece. I'm horrible at the other part. Mm. <laughs> interesting. So yeah. you're probably frustrated by like every, almost every meal yeah, and like too. yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. yeah super okay. he analytical. Is so. Yeah, huh, true. Huh. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah.
3: It's interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, I, I'm trying to think. You know. So I think part of the the uh, self awareness on this was realizing that I had a, a strong predilection towards super codependent dysfunctional relationships. Mm. And then when that got on my radar, I went went through some some therapy and counseling. The woman that I worked with on that was amazing and interesting. And you know, so like even my career path, I just kind of made do with where I was. I was like, I ended up in a chemistry class, and I was good at it. This was another thing that's common from kind of. Uh, poor or not um maybe it's not just poor maybe it's just this this make do kind of deal but uh, you know anything that i was good at i would go for it because you got those easy accolades Mm. with it you know and so i ended up in this chemistry class and i was good at it and then i got into organic chemistry and i was really good at that like i had that ability to like bend these bond angles and everything and kind of see how shit plugged together and i did so that's largely what determined my career path. And then I was in a physiology class and I was pretty good at that. And the woman was like, dude, you should be a doctor. And I was like, Oh, okay. It was basically somebody external to me had to give me some sort of validation. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, wow, I could be a doctor. And she's like, yeah, you could totally look at what you're doing here. So, I'm like, do, okay, you,
2: so. do you look at jujitsu as like you kind of going out of your comfort zone and challenging yourself? Absolutely. On, uh, on a lot of which different is probably levels. Why it's been great
0: for yeah, you. Yeah. Because, um, one i have a modicum of success in the world that i've i've been in so like i could just say okay i'm going to be powerlifting rob and i could go back into the gym and have some impressive numbers with that and just like stay in that scene and that's fine and i'm not not running people down who do that but part of the jiu jitsu thing is you are naked every day like you
1: you get your ass
0: kicked all the fucking time My <laughs>
1: guys smaller than you weaker than you <laughs> By women oh, you <laughs> know and, and, yeah.
0: yeah and uh, and so there's that element to it and it, it's also something that i I need to sit in and actively steward my process it's like well what type of game do i want if i if i have a completely passive just let it come to me kind of kind of approach jujitsu i'll never make any progress anywhere and so it's something that keeps me engaged and, and forces me to have kind of that vision about where i want to go with it but you know the uh really becoming aware of the type of relationships that I was good at again. I had a great skill set for dysfunctional relationships and then I was like, I don't want to be in dysfunctional relationships. So I've got to recognize when I'm heading in that direction and then I've got to develop a set of skills to do something else. And I got have to give my wife huge credit on this stuff like it was interacting with her and in in the process of growing multiple businesses I would ask her a lot of questions. I'm like, so what are you thinking through with this? She's like, well, I'm imagining that we're going to do boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I can't imagine any of this stuff. No, and um, then this is where I told her about the art class and this and that. And so it, it's been kind of a, it, you know, peeling the layers back of this whole thing, but it, it, it's, a uh,
2: yeah, I guess that's been kind of the know, process. I, yeah. I definitely, uh, I used to say I had a sign on a back that on my back that you said, I'll help you. And I used to, Totally date to those girls, you know, was right? The, the father Captain figure, Bro- yeah. broken wing. <laughs> yes. I am your answer. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just love to we fix everybody, guy. right? And it took, like I said, till about 28. Um, now, was Nikki the first woman that wasn't like that for you, or were there previous relationships where you started to notice that you were starting to put that together? Like, oh, I keep like she's going-
1: not as messed up as the previous one, yeah, she's still there, was a, there was a
2: little bit of a uh, Stepping stone process. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I yeah. noticed. Because Katrina is definitely my rock. I've, she's been with me for six and a half years, but it took about uh, three other women that weren't just really dysfunctional to lead right. up to that before I finally feel like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be with. I'm supposed to be with a partner that actually makes me, makes me a better man too. Right. We, right. And this was my equal versus me always helping and teaching and growing. Yeah. So. And you know, I got lucky with Nikki. There's this thing called the Chico
0: state effect because you look at her and you look at me and i like, I don't see how that works. And also she's smart and she's, she's not crazy and everything. She's super even keel but there tend to be five women for every two men at Chico state university. Oh. So like if you're a guy and you, you have a pulse eyes. and yeah. you don't have a giant, like a rest record, you're going to do pretty well. So Something's yeah, that
1: worked work yeah. out. Yeah. 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 See, we yeah. live in San Jose. There's like yeah. two, yeah. three guys. men for yeah. every woman. Yeah. Yeah,
2: they they call is right. man Jose. <laughs> <Man Jose's. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I wouldn't do well there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'd
0: be like cell
1: block
2: Lots D. Of right. Of <laughs> and like, okay, Charlie, it's you and me, man. We like
0: fighting. Yeah.
2: Excellent.
1: Well, if we can change gears a little bit and go back to nutrition, cause, uh, I love uh, bending your ear on that on that topic. Um, let's talk about the ketogenic diet for a second. Why does keto-type diet seem to work so well for people with autoimmune issues? Because it seems to be, dare I say, one of the better options for people with autoimmune issues, or at least it tends to control or help a lot of them. What is it about it that that is it the is it the fact that they're not eating carbohydrates because it can be inflammatory? Is
0: it the ketones both? You know, so I'll throw a caveat in there. I think that keto has application in some autoimmune contexts, but I think just an autoimmune paleo approach is probably even better. Okay, Um, There's some interesting work by a guy, uh, Walter Longo, doing a fasting mimicking diet, which may be even better, like do the autoimmune paleo foods, go the seven days without eating, reintroduce uh, more or less anti-inflammatory foods. But it, there's clearly, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, there is a gut permeability issue associated with autoimmune disease. You cannot have autoimmune disease without gut permeability. And now the question becomes, does the autoimmune disease cause the gut permeability or does the gut permeability cause the autoimmune disease? And there may in fact be some push-pull element to that, but this, this is one of the things that, that happens. One of the um, generally underappreciated elements of Uh, HIV turning into AIDS, the the syndrome recognized as AIDS is a loss of intestinal barrier function. That's kind of the last fucking straw that, that, that goes. And then that whole immune driven catabolic, you know, cascade kicks off with that. And this is why I literally want to choke fuckers to death who, uh, you know, do not just at least give this a little airplay. It's like, we have a suggested mechanism related to, you know, behind cancer and and uh, diabetes-related killers. This autoimmune thing is massive, mm-hmm. and and the the treatment for it is piss poor. So uh, the people who just dismiss it out of hand, I literally want to like kill them physically <laughs> with with my own own two hands. But um, but so if we have a gut permeability issue then definitely fermentable carbohydrates can be a problem because we get the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That can lead to some, some problems with, uh, say, like lipopolysaccharide translocating into the into the circulation and, and causing inflammatory problems, liver issues. That's an immune res- response right there. That's an immune response right there. Then we just have the immunogenic potential of foods, dairy, nuts, um, tomatoes. This is another thing. There's, there's a couple of popular... Uh, and if fitness. I can just
1: clarify when you would you say that to our audience what you mean is there are foods that just have a higher propensity for an immune yeah. reaction so and this is just a fact there's foods that typically people if we go extreme and if talk just, about allergy if you
0: just search yeah what are the most allergenic there foods? you go okay yeah. thank you yeah. peanuts wheat soy dairy you know and again it's not to say everybody has that those problems but a lot of people do and and it, it, the autoimmune foods tend to kind of follow in lockstep mm-hmm. with that that list. But, you know, so like tomatoes are an interesting thing. A lot of people just dismiss tomatoes and nightshades that they could be problematic in the least, but yet the, the, uh, the alkaloids and the saponins and, and the constituents that are in tomatoes are oftentimes used as, uh, uh adjuvants in for vaccines. vaccines. Yeah. And there have been people who do who are renowned for doing research reviews and stuff like that. And have completely shit on the notion that, that uh, uh nightshades could be problematic in any way and if the person is renowned in research but yet has completely missed the fact that they're used as an immune stimulating agent in fucking vaccines either suck <laughs> as a researcher or you're a duplicitous cockface who's got some sort of a, another agenda going on now opener. again that that doesn't Mean that that all autoimmune disease is triggered by nightshades or tomatoes sure. doesn't mean that that uh, you know uh, that it always happens. But we have a proposed mechanism. We have all kinds of other supportive data. Can we at least kick the tires on this thing? And and at a minimum, if somebody's having a problem, say, hey, why don't you try this elimination diet? And I'm actually working on a, a review right now. There was just a paper that was a pilot study, so there was no control arm in this. But they used an autoimmune paleo diet for irritable bowel disease, which include ulcerative colitis and, uh, oh man, Crohn's disease. And they had a really remarkable result with it. Now, we didn't have a control arm and it was a small number of people. And, you, you know, so people get in and start throwing all these hand grenades at it. But the purpose of the study was to show the potential efficacy and, and, um, That people would actually adhere to the protocol, and is it worthwhile doing a randomized controlled trial? And the answer is yes, it's compelling. So, I'm in that world, by the way, because
1: I have a family member with Crohn's. And thank God for the internet, uh, you've got enough people that can gather together and create enough anecdote to where that can drive some research. But also, if you're a, you know, if you have Crohn's disease today or some other autoimmune disease that, you know like you were saying western medicine has shit treatments for it it's either hammer your immune system with something or suppress the hell out of it or even give you mild low doses of chemotherapy believe it or not is some of the <clears> treatments <throat> so you can go online and see these groups and my this this family member found that something called a carbohydrate specific diet mm-hmm, seemed mm-hmm. to work really well for people with Crohn's and really and it literally is eliminating a lot of these foods that tend to have these immune responses and he went into almost complete remission with his Crohn's from following this type of a diet. But at the same time, the Western medicine doctors or the traditional ones, they don't even seem to acknowledge that there could be a a connection between the two uh, at this particular point. It's very, very frustrating.
0: Oh, it's incredibly frustrating. It's reached a point for me where I, I, uh, it's interesting. I ran across some of the lawyers. I think we talked about this a little bit on the, the last show, but the lawyers that were involved with the tobacco litigation, and we kind of put on their radar this idea about like uh, if you have some sort of dyslipidemia or or metabolic syndrome, and you're a healthcare provider and you recommend something other than a low carb diet, you you should be held legally responsible mm-hmm. for the the deleterious after effects. And they're like, oh, dude, this, we we could this would be easier than than tobacco, you know. And and uh, in in the same vein, you know, any of these autoimmune diseases, it, it's reached a point where if you are a gastroenterologist endocrinologist what at what have you and you're ignorant of the fact that there is some some therapeutic potential here because all we're asking people to do is tweak their food right. you know maybe 30 60 days see mm-hmm. what happens um about is is uh, and i think like the number three killer of americans is is medical intervention mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is just shit going wrong like yeah. you go to yeah. your doctor for something that should be benign it's not even abuse you it's you're die. doing exactly
1: what they're telling you to yeah
0: do. yeah it's a complete it standard wrong. of care and so we're worried about recommending low carb diets or right. ketogenic diets when, like, going to get a toenail removed and you fucking die from it. Yeah. You know? So, no, yeah. it's
1: it's 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 to me it's um it's fucking mind blowing that we don't consider food uh, to be one of the most important factors in how you feel. Period. I don't care what your disease or disorder is. I really don't. Food is gonna play some kind of a role. Maybe that doesn't cause it. Maybe it doesn't cure it. But it can definitely have an impact. I mean, you're, you're taking food and you're putting it in your mouth and it becomes a part of your body and you're doing this every single day and it can affect everything from your skin to your stool to your mood and it's just crazy that they don't even – Consider that it's absolutely. Well, mind-blowing. This is what we Very talked about. We
2: did discuss this the last time, and I thought I think it's so fascinating that you know if we if we're doing if we're studying an animal, you know that we just found somewhere like all the stuff that we look into, like their sleep patterns, the food they eat, when they sleep, we take that all into account. A human comes in to the doctor's and office, and none of it applies. None yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Applies. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. does that make sense? Like, why do we do that for some animal across the world that we've never met before, yeah. and we're trying to figure everything about it? But then, if a human comes walking yeah. in and says, "I've got this issue," and it's just, just like no, no, all those things oh. don't matter. Oh, just... So you're
0: a shift worker. You have poor relationships. Um, you eat terribly. Uh, well, you you just have a, a statin deficiency. Like, like clearly, that, that's the <laughs> issue. You know, it's not. We not... need to give you more statins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Which so we just had a great uh, research article on on statins, and it was basically like statins accelerate atherosclerosis. They are a a, a calcifying agent, and uh, you absolutely no. Or, or very, very suspicious justification for recommending
1: It's a statins. very narrow, narrow slice of the population that may benefit from right. statins. But the reason why they're so prescribed is because we made it... It's funny too, by the way, because we see this in the supplement industry, where they'll take something and then they'll hammer that particular piece of information because they have something that can directly affect that. In other words, let's hammer cholesterol... Uh, As, like, this is the cause of everything. And then, oh, here we go. Take this medication and it fixes your cholesterol numbers. And that's the cure. And because we're sold so hard on cholesterol being the the, the cause of everything, now it's easy to prescribe. Well, that reminds me of what
2: we're seeing right now. And we called this years ago with uh, the ketogenic diet because now it's become, you know, it's it's introduced. Now it's awesome. What do we do? Now we make a supplement and we try and do that. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we got to go here, dude. Uh, we got to go here. Because we called this. We called it two plus years two ago. Two years
1: ago, literally on the podcast, we were talking about it. I said, it's a matter of time before supplement companies jump on the keto bandwagon and then oh, yeah. sell keto you everything. keto
2: supplements. And Now, that's the fasting thing. i have seen it already now. All the, all the celebrities. Yeah. Now, all the people with beta-hydroxybutyrate. You know, testing, got- <laughs> testing their pee to make sure they're in ketosis oh, and taking their, their supplement to get them in ketosis. Meanwhile, they're not sleeping. They're stressed as fuck. All this other and thing. And their diet shit. <laughs>
0: So what was the question? No, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> it's super frustrating for me because I think um, whatever type of exogenous ketones we're talking about, there's huge therapeutic potential there. You know, like they vetted a bunch of this stuff out with like Navy SEAL divers and, right. and uh, the we had uh, dumb, we talked all about yeah. this. So there's huge therapeutic potential on on the one hand, but then it's it in you know it's funny uh, it's some of the worst offenders of this stuff of basically suggesting that exogenous ketones are equivalent to being in a ketogenic state and fat burning. Early in their life cycle, th- this was the messaging, and it was kind of a wink, wink, nod, mm-hmm. nod, but we'll we'll just jam that out. Um, uh, through back channel stuff, I've heard that some of these companies have made, you know, 60, $70 million a year off this stuff. Yep. And so it's kind of like, well, they're a lot more successful than I am, but I have some ethical concerns around that. Uh, you know, like I have seen screen captures where somebody says, I just ate most of a chocolate cake. I blew my ketogenic diet. What do I do? And they're like, no, man, just slam some of the the ketone salts and you'll be right back into ketosis. So we're taking somebody, and we're going to have sky-high blood glucose levels. And super high ketone body levels, a state that we only see in the most uh, fucked up of medical scenarios, wow, like diabetic ketoacidosis. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see yeah. that naturally. No, in no. the two ketoacidosis be as, as
3: antagonistic the two of one another as you what could possibly great get. What a fucking
0: point! Yeah. And I could see some potentially huge problems with that. Now there are some scenarios where you have somebody who's a high end like athlete, and there's some some suggestion that say like a ketone ester plus elevated glucose levels at the right time, we may get some enhanced performance. Is elite athletic performance completely congruent with uh, you know, health and longevity. Not at all. No, no. not really. You know, <laughs> so that it's so. But but we've got a bunch of nuance and caveat with that. And so on the one hand, I really don't want to throw these products out because they could be really efficacious right. for a, a wide variety of situations. In particular, like this uh, spec ops scene, like the, those guys need every bit of support that sure. we can throw to them. So I don't want to completely shit can them on on that regard. But then we have all these folks that are kind of being fed a line of goods, but you know. Well, context so, is so
1: important, right? Like ketones, right. probably good for you in this context. Change the context in a high-carbohydrate you know, situation, who knows, and maybe not, and probably not.
0: Right. And, and you know, so we could beat up on the, the ketone, the exogenous ketones, but I see people doing something as injurious and not scientifically credible just in the recommendations of fat bombs people mm. so just throw this add this to your diet ju- yeah just mm. uh, you know uh, so we I, could I take it. a bulletproof coffee for that one oh, <laughs> man, yeah, <right? laughs> it's and so
1: I, weird 600 calorie coffee in the morning i don't have
0: to eat for another six hours <laughs> it really strange holds over. yeah <laughs> uh, and, and again there are situations where that's great yeah you mm-hmm. know but well, we and that, let me say, say that too we
2: all use that right, yeah. right. Do that. I, I do I yeah, do it yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah but that that's on the day that i'm going to probably end up burning four thousand calories between jujitsu doing farm work and, and everything else. And it's kind of like, yeah, I, 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 need that as a, as a prop. But I, I saw a, again, another screen capture where there was a person who was like, I had five cups of coffee today, each cup of coffee. I had a half a cup of cream in it and it, I'm not in ketosis. And I know why it was the 10 grams of sugar that was in the, fi- you know, the, uh, Three and a half cups of of whole cream, mm-hmm. and it is kind of like, no, it definitely wasn't the eighteen hundred calories that you <laughs> consume. Now, now potentially that that should actually allow you to be in ketosis or whatever. But they've they've been doing this for a while, and the person was reporting that their their weight loss is stalled and everything. Everybody in this group was like, yeah, it's the sugar, it's the sugar. Maybe you could find a lower lower carb cream or use creme fraiche because it, it's fermented and so the carbohydrates oh been God. reduced. That is crazy, Bill. And and there are subsections of this ketogenic diet world where they're basically telling you to eat oil because any amount of protein releases an insulin response. And so you're you're reduced to eating oil. So you get no vitamins, no minerals. Um, Oil is probably satiating up to a point, but protein is arguably more satiating and it's actually healthy. So, you know, I'm in this kind of... uh, a keto gains camp where it's it get pretty reasonably high protein and high is kind of a relative deal. If you have a fat loss goal, then you use protein to suppress appetite, eat as much nutrient-dense vegetable matter as you can so that, you know, you stay under that carbohydrate threshold of a of, uh, really suppressing a, a potential fat burning and or just caloric deficit, you know? I mean, that, it, it, so long as we get a mm. an easy caloric deficit introduced with adequate protein and some resistance training, magic is gonna yeah. happen, you know? <laughs>
1: now, speaking of protein, what do you think, because uh, we coming from the, the fitness world and the muscle building world, like protein is the magic macronutrient. You can't get enough, eat more, 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 and it's better for you. What do you think about uh, occasional protein fasting
0: or going low protein sometimes? I- I think that's brilliant and you know some of the stuff i've been playing with at, at, as a result of kind of learning about this stuff so we've got these dueling banjos of things like mTOR and insulin ver, you know uh versus the anabolic effects that mm. that we want and whatnot and art divany again i just have to give that that guy a hat tip he's like don't just don't be fucking chronic about it it's like dummies you know just be intermittent and so um you know, uh, dinner happens at 5 p.m., you eat breakfast at maybe 9 a.m., maybe 10 a.m., big protein meal, and then maybe you don't eat again. Or if you do eat, it's it's just carbs or it's just fat. And then you go until dinner, and then you have another protein mm-hmm. meal. And those two protein meals, like for me, if I want like 130, 140 grams of protein mm-hmm. total, then each of those meals, you know, is, is a half of that. And I've been playing around with that. And I'm like, man, I feel pretty good. And I'm leaner. My performance is good. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, I just skip that afternoon meal because I just wrapped up JITS. And I'm like, okay, it's 2 o'clock. We're going to eat at 5. Okay, maybe I'll do a Mark Sissing collagen bar. And yeah. I, I do that. And, and so I do a, a, like a collagen protein in the intermediate. Or I don't do anything.
1: It just seems to me like anything you expose your body to, anything, hormones, food, whatever, over a period of time, your body becomes desensitized to it. And it seems like, and there is some evidence, and I can't recite the study, unfortunately. I usually can, but I can't remember. But there is some evidence to show that if you consume... High protein all the time, very frequently, you actually become less efficient with it, yeah. and you use it more for energy than for muscle building.
0: There's a there's a, a couple of studies that showed that actually a single protein meal a day was more anabolic than multiple feedings. Now you need to really get in and eat; like mm-hmm. you've got to have the day's allotment, but the body is actually much more efficient with it versus using it as an mm-hmm. energy substrate.
1: And I, yeah. so I personally will do a, a one vegan day a week, and it's not. Uh, it's usually just high vegetable, very low calories, low protein, and I get I definitely notice an anabolic effect the day after, and I just feel uh, so much better doing right. it. And it, you know, protein also in high amounts over you know frequently all the time can have some. It seems like there's evidence for that it will accelerate you know signs of aging. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably a good idea, and from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes perfect sense, yeah. right? Yeah, and mTOR mTOR is in certain contexts is fantastic. But in the wrong context, that's a pro cancer, right? You know, you don't want to you don't want to necessarily blast mtor all the time if you're in the wrong context, or right? In the wrong, home. right? So uh, here's a good question for you that might get controversial. What is and you might hate it, but what is more important, <laughs> food quantity or food quality? Oh
0: man, um, my clinical experience in general if we chase the quality story first then the quantity story is addressed and and uh, this is what got me kicked out of CrossFit the other backstory but this was oh, really? this, this, you know so we're but gonna this go was, there next. <laughs> this was the the sand in the wheels you know because of mm. the zone and, and all right. that type of stuff which I, I think is all great but uh, so on the autoimmune side and also it's a little bit context driven can we weigh and measure ourselves out of autoimmunity? no not with the wrong the wrong foods like you just and this is part of the problem is that they had looked at a standard american diet in various sliced and dice deals with gi problems with autoimmune disease and there's like there's no effect of diet on these diseases and that's no that's not the case there's no effect of the same diet in different ratios on these mm-hmm. diseases so depending on like health condition and disease state, like uh, gastrointestinal issues, autoimmune issues, the food quality may be way more important than the amount. That's everything, they, then agree. you'll then you'll have people jump in and they're like, well, if they eat 10,000 calories a day of it, then they're gonna die. It's, oh, okay, do we, we do have some non-ridiculous parameters that mm. we put around this stuff. Yeah, and but ah, how many times it.
2: have you actually seen somebody eat 10,000 calories? <laughs> I, I used to say as a trainer, Go try. Eat. Here's your foods. I want you to eat from. Good luck. I, I swear,
0: eighty percent of my life now is providing legal disclaimers for the <laughs> the fucking jerk offs on the internet that, right. that get the the like mm-hmm. sixth standard deviation you know thing that that happens uh, less frequently than the appearance of the universe. Right. You know? <laughs> right. I'm trying to. I'm trying. Well, to, uh, it
2: could happen to me. I'm happen. trying to help the majority, yeah. you asshole, while you're over here. arguing over semantics. It just seems, to, it, it just seems to me that
1: when you have when you focus on food quality. Your your sip, your your natural signals of satiety and hunger are so much they're just in better balance. Yeah.
0: Mm. And, and and so a really good point of illustration of that is that if we have a skinny kid that's geeked out on paleo and he's lifting weights and he wants to gain weight for football. We may need to tweak that because it's so satiating he won't be able to eat enough right. calories. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we actually need to tweak those parameters. It's like, hey, we're gonna throw in some rice, we'll throw in some dairy, we may throw in a slice or two of apple pie here and there just to actually like prime that pump because the because these whole unprocessed foods are so satiating that if we have a situation where somebody needs to consume a significant amount of food, it may not be up to the task. And I, I that is kind of an interesting you know, juxtaposition to this whole mm-hmm, thing. So right. yeah, I mean, I would generally say that the food quality is is where it really starts. Now, clearly, if we want to get to like figure competitor level of leanness and stuff mm-hmm. like that, we've got to start weighing and totally measuring different. food. But but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just uh, a really kind of nervous about like the impending implosion of our economy and our healthcare system due to diabetes. And everybody else is, you know, and so all these guys are like, well, I train NBA players and, and you know, you need to weigh and measure your food. I'm like, okay, fuck, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When, when society falls, you don't have dry food or interlocking grids of fire. I do, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me ask you, because you, uh,
1: about gluten, you had mentioned several times uh, about, um, you know, serving your kids like gluten-free, pa- uh, you know, waffles or whatnot. Um, here's an interesting anecdote I've heard from many, many people, clients, and I've even experienced this myself and I find it very, very strange. I have now, um, uh, just because now I've been able to identify and eat so much better and take care of my body. I now have a, what I would consider kind of low level gluten intolerance, although I still have an intolerance to it. However, when I travel to Italy or to Europe, the same gluten there, uh, or maybe it's not the same gluten, but gluten there does not affect me nearly as bad. And I've heard this from many, many, many yeah. clients. Now, my th- theory, or, or I'm, what I'm deducing from this, is I know that in the U.S. here, um, glyphosate's are used as a desiccant on wheat many times. So they spray the hell out of wheat, and although wheat isn't a GMO, they use the glyphosate's to dry them or to get them to, uh, you know, ready right. to harvest much quicker. Whereas in Europe, they don't use that process. And if they do, they have to label it. Is that the difference or are we just making things up? Or is there really an inherent issue with gluten or is it more the glyphosates or both?
0: So, I mean, for for humans in general, gluten has always been a bit of an issue. And uh, uh, when you look at the – if you do – this is always some interesting stuff. You do evolutionary advantage and then disease. So you do evolutionary advantage, celiac And the evolutionary advantage of celiac disease is that these folks have a disproportionately elevated immune response in the gut. And these tend to be people who, if you look at their uh, derivations, tend to come out of these early farming communities of, of where humans started living in proximity to each other and animals and an enhanced gut uh, immune response. Kept them alive. Kept them alive. Mm. Now, the, the, uh, some of the proteins in gluten, though, can trigger an overactive immune response and zonulin release and intestinal permeability. So this is the, the uh, uh, trade-off with some of that stuff. So that's a piece. There's an inherent potentiality of this anti-predation chemical in wheat for being problematic. If you look at the European varieties of wheat and the way that they use them, in the United States, when we make bread and, and pastry-type products, we use concentrated gluten to enhance those products. Oh, so, so we add we more. We are just adding wow. more, oh, wow. yeah, which is is kind of an interesting deal really interesting story. So in kind of researching this autoimmune paleo diet, I I wanted to make a point that it's in its early stages and we just had a pilot study and then things move along. And I wanted to show that same historical process for the Mediterranean diet. There was a point in time when nobody knew what a Mediterranean diet was. And then somebody suggested this and then there was a there was a review paper which is the first thing and then people get curious enough about it to do a pilot study and then then it goes from there interestingly though if you go to the wikipedia page for mediterranean diet one of the references there is gluten intolerance i'm like oh that's interesting there's a link there to a, a recently done paper that suggests that globally the uh uh Incidence of gluten intolerance and celiac disease has increased as a consequence of recommending the Mediterranean diet to the world, mm-hmm. and so wow. we've recommended wheat. And so this was interesting. This is a whole other like like mm, rabbit, rabbit hole, <laughs> hole that I've that I've gone down. And they mentioned both the potential of the glyphosate issue and also just the fact that the type of wheat that we use and the wheat containing products we tend to in, enhance. With, if you assume um, gluten to be a potentially toxic substance, um, which is com- completely fits all the parameters of that, it's non-hyperbolic, it's not unscientific, fits all those those definitions, and we add more to it, then we're increasing the toxicant mm-hmm. load. We tend to do more antibiotics in the United States than elsewhere. Um, we have more C-sections, so you've got gut dysbiotic di- issues. Uh, there was a study, and I'm sorry I'm bouncing around. No, I love paint it. This. No, yeah, no, keep, keep going. Big picture. There was a study where they took kids with celiac and they did a uh, fecal transplant on them. And I think like eight out of the 10 kids, then were no longer celiac. So they could wow. eat gluten and not have the mm. celiac reaction. So we, uh, you know, we have enzymes that can break down different nutrients, but we we kind of forget that these, these gut bacteria that ride along with us, they can do a hell of a job processing different nutrients. And so is a bunch of the problem that we have you know, just lost a, a microbiotic, uh, you know, constituent that could help degrade this stuff. I think it's all of these these things. The interesting thing about the Roundup story is the Roundup is suspected to be a mitochondrial toxin, a mitochondrial disruptor. And so in addition to just the celiac or non-celiac gluten sensitivity issues that we see, these folks tend to have a bunch of other interrelated problems, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, multiple chemical sensitivities, which deals with detox, that that's, you know, liver mitochondrial activity and all, all the other, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, organelles that are involved with that. So th- there's a lot of different moving parts to this thing. And, uh, but I have heard consistently that people will go from Italy to here, eat our wheat products and they're like, dude, that crushed me. Or conversely, they go to Italy or, or somewhere else in Europe, they have a scone or, or some, you know, Whatever there, and they don't have. I, I kept
1: hearing yeah. it from my clients, and I experienced it myself when I went there and ate the bread and the pasta. And I would expect I was expecting like this major reaction, and I didn't have one. Right, and it blew me the fuck away. And then and when you I thought came it was back,
2: glyphosate, right? So that's well, cool. I, I mean, I'm
1: I'm just trying to put you know pieces together to figure out why this would be the case. And
0: if it's the glyphosate issue, then I would be it would be unlikely that you would experience that. Immediate kind of g i response because the glyphosate, to my understanding, takes it takes some time and it 's more this mitochondrial disruptor deal, mm-hmm. so that in that situation, I would be leaning more towards towards the more <laughs> gluten that makes uh, more gluten. that makes more. Ab- absolutely yeah.
1: perfect sense so yeah. very interesting and then uh, going back, there was a topic there was a, something I did want to bring up when we were talking about the exogenous ketones so i uh, i 've done very very well keto ish um, because I tend to have autoimmune issues when it comes mm-hmm. to my digestion, although recently I seem to have gotten a lot better and I'll I'll get into that in just a second. But I've always I've messed around with the exogenous ketones and I noticed uh, if I pushed my exogenous ketone consumption along with a ketogenic diet to the point where I had really high levels of, of ketones. I would be far more susceptible to uh, uh, fungal infections. Oh, interesting. And uh, I did do a little bit of research, and I found that there that some certain funguses uh, can feed off of ketones. And so although you may be killing off some bacteria that may be doing some harm to you, you may be feeding other things that may cause problems. It just goes to show that balance uh, yeah.
0: is very, very important. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, uh, a few people like Grace Liu mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, oh God, Uh Mike. uh I can't believe um,
2: Ruscio. Ruscio,
0: yeah. God, he's oh gonna, yeah, good he's friend gonna, of ours. He's gonna punch me yeah, in the face a, the next time boy. he sees me for yeah. getting his last name. But um, uh both of those people have mentioned small intestinal fungal overgrowth as being this thing that is like That's flying right. under the radar and like the biofilms and all that type of stuff. But I had not. Man, uh, uh, yeah, you could get a really wacky bloom because, I mean, how often are your guts just swimming with... Ketones. With ketones. With that many because I was pushing them through the roof and I did it several
1: times and every single time I'd get athlete's foot, which I never Uh, get and I have no reason. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, it's the ketones. Pretty crazy. And then more recently I did, which seems to be... Okay, so uh, you know my this is Mike's recommendation, right? Wasn't this Mike recommended this to me, Doctor Ruscio. So Mm -hmm. my diet dialed, uh, you know, in terms of I know what I can eat, what I can't eat, what's going to work for me. You know, sleep was good, exercise was good, but still always hypersensitive. Still always, if I have a little bit of too much of this or that, or I don't have enough vegetables, I'm going to have gut problems, and it was really a pain in the ass, no pun intended. And uh, he recommended that I do a course of antimicrobial you know, not, you know, herbs mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: And I did these, you know. I, I did I, the exact same protocol with like the Saccharomyces boulardii and the, the. Uh, there's like eight different bottles that you end up with. Well, and yeah. and,
1: I, and I, so I started with the fast and then I took these, you know, these supplements. I had a, you know, what they would call a Herxheimer effect, although I don't know if that how, uh, you know, if that's a real thing, but um, where I had this kind of reaction for a couple of days and then I felt better. And I did that twice and I swear to God, my gut has never been, better or healthier, it's almost like I had to go in and kill right. a bunch of shit. And you did the same I thing. I did the same thing. And, and how did it work for you?
0: You know, it's funny. So I did it for a month and I felt good up until a month. I was heading into month two and then I felt crushed. Like it felt terrible. So I went off of it and I, I would have some kind of ups and downs. And then I did a month of keto while I was rehabbing my my MCL strain. And uh, and it's interesting. During that time, I, I'm doing some work with the Tommy Woods at, at a Nourish Bounce Thrive. And so I, they did some stool samples and everything. They sent me the report on it. And I, I don't really know how to interpret these things. But they're like, dude, this is the healthiest gut we've seen out of <laughs> working with like 2,000 people. I'm like, dude, if mine's the healthiest gut, like all these other people were probably like nearly dead. It, but it was after doing this, this intervention. And, and since then, um, my car, carb tolerance has been better. Like I still definitely have certain things, you know, like carrots I do great with. Applesauce, I do well with. Uh, Raw apples, uh, they don't digest, and I'm like tutti-frutti, you know, two hours after eating them, and... and they, they, it just – nothing good happens with so it. What so.
1: I noticed, which was really fascinating, was uh, up until this point, my stimulant tolerance was poor. Like, I'd mm-hmm. have
0: caffeine. My stimulant tolerance is better
1: now. Now, what, yeah. it, what is that? Do you think it's just the cortisol response and maybe because the immune reaction isn't so strong? Because I literally could handle 100 milligrams of caffeine and that was it anymore. And I would be anxious and just feel terrible. And now it's like – caffeine it just feels great
0: it it definitely you know and it's funny cuz genetically i'm a slow metabolizer so i'm never going to be that like taking a i'm the of same day way guy, the whole liver
1: enzyme yeah is,
0: uh... yeah but it, i mean the uh, i don't know but it definitely like that um corticosteroid kind of kind of release under a, a stress scenario definitely like if we if we just have intestinal permeability that is a low grade stress and we're going to have a, a cortisol response you you know coming about that. And also the liver is impacted that way because it's dealing with LPS. So some of the detox pathways are dealing with the the cellular byproducts of the the bacterial fermentation and whatnot. And so if the liver, in it's different pathways potentially, but if the liver is super bogged down dealing with this, then it may be less able to deal with the caffeine.
1: Wow, that's very fascinating. So before we we sign off, I I have to ask you your opinion. Uh, I know our audience will kill us if we don't on the documentary, What the Health. I know mm-hmm. you did a thing on it and it's a little old news now. We've hammered it to death, know, but our, our audience is like, you got to ask Rob.
0: Man, so on the one hand, the the greatest frustration I have with these guys is that they did a really, really good job of uncovering the, the relationship between um, these mega corporations and our food supply. That part of the film is is spot on and is, is bulletproof. And... <clears throat> Whether you're vegan or not, the the thing that that is damaging about the way they handle things, they just wantonly ignored it or misrepresented a, a huge number of scientific papers. Like they just just outright lied, mm. um, or because they're not that big of idiots, you can't make a movie that looks this nice and be dumb. Right. So these people aren't dumb, but they they were duplicitous, and what they ended up doing in the pro, the process. So one of the examples, like they, they cited a study about a uh, Dairy products, increasing cancer. I forget what, it, what one of the, the points was. Um, one, it's a, a food frequency questionnaire deal, which I, you know, just put no credit in those things. But uh, full fat dairy was benign, even beneficial. Low fat dairy was problematic and they didn't distinguish between the two. Yeah. So that is wantonly like nefarious. Mm-hmm. There, there's something really problematic there. But let's let's just back up a little bit and say that all the vegan land stuff is correct more or less, Um, but they misrepresent this data, but then they were right about the collusion between corporations and our food supply and all these problems. When they get the science wrong and they are easily verified as lying about the science, then the good work that they did in exposing the food industry is also thrown out. So this is the problem of turning anything like, like veganism into a religion such that you ignore the facts because these guys could have kind of a credible position to go in, and we start saying, "Hey, we need to decouple big, you know, the big money from our food supply, and and uh, farm subsidies need to go away." And um, you could have a really credible position with that if you treat the science properly. Mm-hmm. But because they did a shitty treatment of the science and their message about the bigger picture of corporatism as it relates to our, our food supply, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. It has no credibility. And there was actually a. Vegan registered dietitian, masters of public health, who did it almost as lengthy a, a takedown of the movie as I did, and she raised exactly the same concerns.
1: Mm. And it, the irony to me is pointing out the, the the cronyism in the in the food supply, but then forgetting that some of the biggest uh,
0: well they were they were saying it was all the meat owners, yeah. the, the meat suppliers. The thing about that that is absolute bullshit. They own the meat. They own the wheat. They own the sugar. <laughs> exactly. It's not separated, and no. that's where it's just just absolute bullshit. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. If to us, we kind of <coughs> interpreted it as uh, vegan propaganda in the sense that they were they're very driven by their moral, op, you know, uh, opp- opposition to eating meat, and so they're trying to make a case to get everybody to stop eating meat. It's n- but it's not based on the fa- on health. It's just right. we don't want to eat meat, so let's try and.
2: Lie to everybody. Oh, well, when you draw case. parallels to what was eggs and cigarettes. Right. Uh, two eggs is like yeah. uh, giving your kid like a pack of cigarettes for breakfast. Like- right. <laughs> and,
0: and, you know, I, I don't know if you guys want to unpack all that stuff, but there was a tiny subset of people that were hyper responders to dietary cholesterol and it, but even then, this begs the question. We just had this statin, mm-hmm. you know, discussion. So there, there are some people who are hyper responders to cholesterol, and and so and I mean, again, it's a really, really small piece of the overall pie. But if they consume eggs, they do get an elevation in cholesterol levels, which still begs the question: Did it just raise cholesterol? Right. A- is did it, it raise bad? Lipoproteins? <laughs> Does it have any bearing on anything? Particularly because you're supplying uh, choline and lecithin and, and antioxidants in, in the egg, even the shitty, shittiest eggs have, have some remarkable, uh, uh nutritional quality. So that's all, you know, uh, completely, you know, a, a bunch of stuff to unpack. And they extrapolated it to the totality of the population and said, everybody responds exactly the same way and that it's correlated to like a 15, you know, cigarette a day habit. And, and, you know, if you're going to throw stuff out like that, although people say
2: ridiculous shit all the time, so I, I guess
3: it, 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 it's, <laughs> yeah. it Well, this it's one actually, works. and
2: I think why we, we came out, did an episode, and we've talked about it and probably hammered it to death was – I was surprised on how much how many people it impacted. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, was, I was my phone and messages and seeing people all of a sudden. Oh, I'm going vegan now, and I was like, Oh my god, really? Sheep? Everybody, come on, seriously? <laughs> right. Cigarettes, eggs? Come on, that right away. And we're racist if we eat uh, what pork was it? or yeah, something like it, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my
0: favorite one. But, but, and uh, definitely this will get the listeners shipped down. But I mean, if you can politicize anything right now and try to make it a race or gender issue, oh gosh, then it's there. And, and just when I thought I couldn't like you anymore,
1: <laughs> you say oh, something dude. like
0: that.
3: <laughs> well, and, and, and let,
0: conquer. Let, let's, let's be honest. What if you show me a, uh, a, a Republican vegan or a conservative vegan, then, um, you, what you are showing me is someone who probably saw an animal slaughtered in their their youth, and they just can't even deal with the thought of eating meat. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing else to do with anything. But I mean the, the the political divide in this this whole story. So it's interesting, like the global warming stories, and and uh, God, the social justice kind of element to it. But dude, that's sexy. And if you if you even just try to have a discussion about it, I'm not even saying arguing. But if you just ask some questions, like. Well, better educate me on this, you know. It's like you are an asshole immediately, you know? And it's like Okay. And and uh got it, I don't know if you guys have followed any of the Jordan Peterson stuff, you know, like Rogan and all that jive. Like um people don't appreciate that this um uh there's a a constant cycling and backlash and, and when the kind of lunatic fringe left goes crazy, there's a chunk of kind of centrist individuals that migrate to the right. Uh-huh. And migrate to the right. And then what they've done is anybody who is, there's a race to the bottom in the, uh, the marginalization deal. So I don't know. You could be a little ethnic possibly. So you are more marginalized than I am because I'm clearly Whitey right. McWhiterkins. So we've you got a layer there. about the Oppression there. Olympics? <laughs> yeah, the Oppression Olympics. <laughs> but then nickname. whoever is at the bottom of that thing, everybody else is an oppressor. And they get sick of fucking being an oppressor yeah. or for just having a pulse, and then you start peeling people. Mm. And what's scary is the right is well-armed, well-organized, and if you want to radicalize that scene, you could have some really shitty yeah. stuff go down, and people just don't. No, it's it's crazy, but it, yeah. It, and uh, you guys may want to edit all this shit out. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I won't blame you.
1: We're going to stop, so. so. stop soon, only because I'll get going with you, and this will turn into yeah. something completely yeah, different. But yeah, if, if you can politic, they they will politicize anything, including diet because if you ask the average person how does a liberal typically eat or how does a conservative typically they will give you diets that they think that they because it's been so politicized although diet has fucking nothing to do with any any of it so right anyway man always always a pleasure talking honor being with you guys excellent brother well thanks again thank you guys excellent so go to youtube check out mind pump tv there's a new video posted every single day also We're still offering 30 days of coaching. It's for free. It's at mindpumpmedia.com.
3: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic